0: This is K20 Innovates, an ecosystem of live podcasts focused on innovation in education. You're listening and teaching through the metaverse with Anthony and Terrence a series exploring how educators can use web technologies to engage and delight their students. Join us as we explore how these technologies are set to change our lives in the near future. We'll be taking insights and experience from educators around the world to make the case for open and collaborative technologies that work for learners and educators. My name is Anthony White and I'm an educator in Kodiak, Alaska.
1: And my name is Terence Finnegan, and I'm an educator in Edinburgh in Scotland. Um, Hi, Anthony, how are you doing? I'm
0: doing pretty good. Nice and cold up here in Alaska, uh, but otherwise pretty good. A couple of extra hours every day of sunlight, which I appreciate.
1: Yeah, right, we're inching our way up here. We don't have any snow here, but we've plenty of rain and lots of precipitation, um and we are yeah as as well inching our way up into slightly more sun in the day, which is awesome. Um all right, so I think we should uh, we should get started. We um it's been a a little while since our last episode, um but it's been a long time, almost a a century in metaverse time. And um, because so much has happened um, so we're going to take um, you through the Eduverse news first off, um, and then we're going to jump into tools for educators, so um, laying out what educators around the world can do uh, with their own students in their own classrooms and their own practice. Um, so let's jump into news and mm-hmm. um, what's happened since last time. Um, a big thing Anthony, that I want to talk about is um, Tony Parisi's rules on the metaverse. Uh, and this has been out for a little while, but it's, it garnered a lot of debate amongst people in the metaverse and how uh, the metaverse might relate to education. Um, so if you haven't seen, uh, Tony Preci, is someone who's been around um, in developing things for the internet, for web one, two, and um, you know, thinking about web three. Uh, and he's, he came up with these seven rules for the metaverse. He's, you know, he developed, developed VR way back in the day, and he's got some pretty interesting insights. So I just wanna run through the, the seven rules and then talk a little bit about how they relate to the education. Um, so real quick, the, the rule one is that there's only one metaverse. Uh, rule two is that the metaverse is for everyone. Uh, nobody controls the metaverse, the metaverse is open, the metaverse is hardware independent, the metaverse is a network, and the metaverse is the internet. Um, and for me, it just I love the clarity of this, just um, really cutting through all the rubbish uh, and laying out what the metaverse is and will be. Um, and I love that, that there is only one metaverse. We talk about all these different platforms and how they are metaverse platforms. But in the future that we can imagine and in the future where this this term metaverse came from, there is one metaverse that everyone can access. And of course, for me, what that means about education is that if we're um, online and and remote, then the place where you go to school is the same place where you play games, where you um, go shopping, where you um, interact with people that are not your school friends, that are other friends and parents, um, and maybe even pay your taxes. And so this... Of course like all those things are true for the real world and they sound true for the metaverse or the edgyverse too and um, so imagining a future where we all, all exist on this one metaverse and um, really sort of seems to be like he says the metaverse is the internet we all do these things on the internet right now um, and so making it open and for everybody i think is a really interesting way to look at not a closed wall where you go into one platform and you have one sign in and your one particular um, avatar or, or person in that system but a part of their larger system and it is just like the openness of that so i think that was important to highlight
0: absolutely yeah I, I i definitely agree with the very last one that resonates highly with me is that the metaverse is the internet um, right sometimes you know the word floats around and people think of the metaverse as some mystical magical environment that has never existed before mm-hmm. but it it kind of. Le- Kind of already existed before that word came uh, into the spotlight and mm-hmm. it it is the internet uh, the internet connects us all with data and information and the metaverse is simply just another iteration of that data and information uh, constantly evolving and i'm very glad that parisi uh, set out these rules and has been referenced a lot in this space
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too.
0: So uh, kind of uh, in that same uh, vein, uh, there was an article out of uh, Bureau of Brightness, Bureau uh, of BureauofBrightIdeas.com, and it asked the question, do we need avatars uh, in the metaverse? And um, mm-hmm. we we're thinking about that uh, topic in particular, and, and what does having an avatar mean for students' identity and capacity to learn? And how much control can students have, and who decides what kind of avatars uh, students could utilize in kind of an edgeverse learning uh, environment? Um, you know, yeah. avatars have been around for quite a while. I could remember when I was playing World of Warcraft uh, back in two uh, thousand something. Many, many years of World of Warcraft, and that your uh, character was. You know, your avatar, your representation of how much time you spent in World of Warcraft, the fancier your equipment, you were either really lucky or you were in a really good guild, or uh, you just had access to things that some other people didn't have. Uh, But it definitely signaled uh, that, you know, there was a culture behind uh, those World of Warcraft characters in that game. And now it's definitely evolved significantly significantly. Um, you could express yourself with the avatars that are out there as any gender or any species that you want. So in terms of student identity, they could really pick something that aligns to who they perceive themselves as uh, and share that with a larger population. Um, they could also be pseudo anonymous, right, which is beneficial for students, I think, Uh you know, students are very cognizant of themselves and their behaviors uh, and how others perceive them. And pseudo-anonymity certainly helps with that quite a bit. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the avatars are changing significantly uh, from what we thought, you know, World of Warcraft was like a 3D avatar system. You think about games like Fortnite now, which also have a 3D avatar system. But now there are new flat avatars uh, used as social signals. So if you think about the, uh, uh, the crypto punk scene, um, mm-hmm. you know, those crypto punks signify something, someone who is part of that. And people will wear those avatars proudly on their profiles and show that, hey, this is my identity, this is who I am. Uh, and, and it holds some pretty deep. Uh, social significance with it. Uh, in other cases, you have avatars as disposable skins, which in Fortnite uh, certainly can be the case. You know, it's a fun gameplay mechanism that they've integrated with their avatar, but only limited to a certain period of time. And you can only wear it for so long before it's thrown away and replaced with something else that is new or exciting. And I can see that. Uh, Plain beneficial in a classroom environment. You know, if the teacher has access to uh, an avatar system and can release special items or icons or wearables that the students can wear that would give them special recognition, um, that then they could show that off to other people would be really great. Uh, there are also yeah. interoperable uh, platforms that are coming into fruition. Um, Ready Player Me is is one of the largest right now. Uh, they promote one avatar, many worlds, and you can create avatars that, uh, you know, are more cartoonish in nature, more fantasy or sci-fi based, or something that looks a lot like you. So again, students have the ability to explore their identity with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And that kind of interoperability also allows students to choose, you know, what kind of look they want to have we're not deciding that for them
1: um yeah that's really interesting because yeah. i mean of course it, um, students and and young people um are finding ways to ident- to create their identity online hmm. um, and of course that's always evolving right i mean i don't think it should be any surprise to us uh, that the in real life identity um gets you know gets pulled over into the metaverse or the edgyverse and um, of course we're creating ways to identify and, and follow whatever um clique or crew or, or whatever we feel closest to so yeah that makes a lot of sense what's what's really interesting is how that does translate like you say between platforms and um, as long as we have platforms and um, if we for creating the the metaverse that is the is all in the one place then how does that, how does that um, interoperability then relate to to how people carry their uh their identity from one place to another. And of course we dress dress differently in the real world and and will that happen in the metaverse as well? I presume it will. it will be really interesting to see how that works.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of work in interoperability um, going on right now, especially in terms of avatars and being able to, uh, you know, in one case, uh, one user, Jin, has been working with a team of uh, other developers to try and create a sort of metadata associated with avatars. So mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. photos have metadata associated with them and your browser renders that, or you know, calls on that information to, to render it in such a way that that same mm-hmm. kind of um, idea should be behind avatars and avatar creation. And that there should be a certain set of standardization uh, in that process so that way everyone has the same experience, which is really sure. amazing.
1: Um, yeah, amazing. You
0: know, uh, I mean, a significant amount of, of change in that space. Uh, one mention in the article was about Epic Games metahumans and that these metahumans, which are very lifelike, realistic uh, avatars or characters, I guess you could say, that you can create on the web of all things. You don't need to install an application, an app, nothing. You access a website. You log in and you can create a metahuman. Um, it's going to be pretty incredible to see where this heads. And you had something yeah. you wanted to talk about uh, in relation to metahumans.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, these metahumans, I mean, just looking at, at what's possible is, I mean, the, the level of detail is really incredible. And it's, you know, uncanny valley territory. Um, And something, you know, if we're talking about avatars for students and, you know, what does a teacher avatar look like, Um, especially when it's remote? Um, And this really struck me as something that would be kind of amazing if you you had a teacher that looked like this guy. So there's uh, someone who goes um, on YouTube, it goes under the name Xanadu Blue, X-A-N-A-D-U-B-L-U. And he's created this amazing avatar that he then uh, is is his profile on, um, uh, well, his avatar on YouTube as he's creating all these videos. Is, used, is created using this metahuman creator, and he's a blue alien with a flaming mohawk, um, and he does all this incredible stuff um, on YouTube. And the rig that he's got to do this is is really quite simple. It's a, an iPhone pointing at his face and a little rig that points at his face that tracks his face so that his facial expressions get um, put onto get mapped onto this uh, this blue alien, um, and he's got some motion capture going on, um, for his limbs. Um, and wouldn't it be amazing if we sort of the, um, like in the the Diamond Age, another Neil Stevenson book, there's there's a character that gets the is the teacher on this iPad that the protagonist has in in that book, um, just the same as a teacher, you could be this this whatever character you want to be, um, you know if you're going um, into space, you could be an astronaut or an alien, I suppose, a blue alien, or if you're going into a volcano, you could be some sort of thick skinned creature. Um, or you could just be sort of any sort of representation of, of the type of learning that you want your students to have. Um, and I just thought that'd be pretty amazing to have that creativity as a teacher, to be able to change the skin that you're in as you're teaching. would be pretty fun. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. <laughs> that kind of creativity. And I think <clears throat> that avatarism actually, you know, more than just entering an immersive environment with an avatar, which... Is important you're you're porting your identity over to this virtual immersive environment uh, whether it's on mm-hmm. a headset on a computer or on an ipad mobile phone whatever you have your identity but um
1: mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> having access to these avatars and to be able to um, bring them to life with your body and your expressions is really powerful mm-hmm. for storytelling And we as humans, uh, it's ingrained into our nature to be storytellers. Uh, We tell stories through video, through audio, through uh, written stories. Uh, And now we have new tools that are free to use. Anyone can use them to create stories with characters. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. it might not be easy for, say, an elementary student to take control of a metahuman and utilize that but you know I'm sure there are services out there or ways to get these technologies in these students hands that you know one student mm-hmm. could play the Big Bad Wolf while the other student plays Little Red Riding Hood while mm-hmm. another student plays whatever and they could recreate the story with digital avatars. Uh, and Mm -hmm. be able to record and publish that so anyone can view that content.
1: Right. Send it to the grandparents and they can watch it. Exactly. Absolutely. I totally see that happening. Yeah. 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 And especially,
0: you know, in this world of like remote learning and remote work, and we may not have those school plays as much anymore, which is unfortunate, but maybe we could balance it out. You know, we could have students uh, who are doing in-person reenactments or storytelling and then balance that with these virtual tools that will allow them to create and make amazing things
1: absolutely absolutely um, great okay i think that's our cue um, to move on to our tools for educators and mm-hmm. um, so this is our chance um anthony you and i are, are talking about how we want to make this podcast as useful to other educators around the world as possible And to have some real life, um, like lived experience of what educators can do with a ton of tools out there and just trying to demystify them a little bit. Um, So you wanted to kick us off, right?
0: Yeah, I want to kick it off with uh, a game you may know about. It's fairly popular called Roblox. Uh, If you have a a, a student, uh, elementary, middle school, even high school, I have high school students who still use Roblox. Uh, It's extremely popular. Uh, allows students to create all kinds of representations of themselves, to play games, to be entertained, to socialize, to mm-hmm. make money. Uh, <clears throat> there's a whole uh, financial ecosystem involved with Roblox. And, you know, I, I've kind of seen it on the fringe and have always wanted to get into Roblox, uh, but haven't done so yet. So I live vicariously through some of my students who still play. But they just introduced... Uh, funding for developers to create educational content, uh, which is fantastic. They're they're really looking to get in more into the education space to take what uh, was before more or less an entertainment product and turn it into uh, also an educational product as well, much like Minecraft uh, EDU had done with their platform. So they announced uh, a new mode called Classroom Mode, and it's an open source plug-and-play module that can be installed onto existing experiences. Uh, It offers educators using Roblox tools to manage their classes, so things such as teleport to the teacher, uh, to stop the chat, um, to have students raise their hands if they have something that they want. to to ask or say Uh, lots of different game settings that are available within uh, the classroom mode. And it was released just recently, uh, winter 2021. It is currently in beta and they're collecting applications for teachers to become involved with it. It may not be the most robust thing right now that you would expect, but as things are in beta, your feedback and help certainly um, enhance it and improve it. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. things I think that's really powerful with Roblox is uh, m- much like Minecraft involves uh, coding and programming to really customize experiences. And they have a whole system in place to uh, relatively easily create experiences for Roblox and be able to push that out uh, quickly so others can test it out and see how it goes, give you feedback, and you can go back and make further adjustments. Uh, it is based
1: on- um, And it's, um, sorry, I was gonna say, it's it, the, the amazing thing for me about Roblox is the audience, right? It's millions of users. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so if you push something out, then you you have a, a test embed right there. And so, yeah, really amazing for young people to be able to have that sort of audience to something that they've made. Yeah,
0: they're, they're already invested in the application, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so, I mean, their goal is to support 100 million students learning on their platform by 2030. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. using the platform as a learning environment, creating those experiences in Roblox Studio uh, and then engaging students in that. And yeah. there's lots of STEM instructional organizations, uh, that have led lots of students through computer science design and development courses. So really big in terms of, uh, computer science. And I was going to say it, uh, utilizes the Lua, uh, language, uh, which is, mm-hmm. is common in various apps out there. So, you know, students are gaining real world skills that they could transfer later on. And then, you know, the students who really want to keep going with it, um, Roblox off, also offers their developer exchange program, uh, which allows the user to earn money by creating awesome games on Roblox. So you take Ro- Robux, which is our in-game currency, uh, and you can mm-hmm. convert that to actual physical money that you could use to, mm-hmm. to buy more Robux. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And it's really interesting for me, we talked in the last episode about how Fortnite was, was um, expanding their reach for what you can do in Fortnite. We talked about a Martin Luther King um, experience in Fortnite and, and how there's, you know, there's a struggle with that. And there's, um, there's always struggle with when you're changing the way that you work. And I think um, Roblox would, would, I'm sure, admit themselves that they're, they're on a learning journey about how to create an environment for students that um, feels potentially a little bit different from the environment that was just games before yeah. Um, and you know, there's been a, b- a bunch of press about this, and there was there was a, an article in the the UK Guardian just here recently about Roblox and how um, some sort of lived experience of some students and how it was um, a bit too easy to be um, taken advantage of mm-hmm. um, in terms of the, the the things that you create and the money that people take if you're underage and that sort of thing. But um, I'm I'm really excited for them to to work those kinks out. I'm, I, they're probably a bit more than kinks right now, judging by that article. But um, I think that. You know, as as educators and uh, as supporting students to be in that environment, then it's it's you know there's a huge um a huge bonus to that, and there's a lot to be learned, um, and with the support of of adults and support of the people in in Roblox itself, then um, I really hope that there can be like a, a really bright future for that that part of that that platform.
0: Yeah, and it, and I think I may I I really need to just test this out and see how it rolls out, but my understanding so far is that it's a local server of Roblox. Um, So students Mm -hmm. as I mean if Roblox is blocked on the network at the school Mm -hmm. that you can still spin up a private server that could run on your local network still be able to do the things that are available on that server Um, Mm -hmm. and then students are still limited in, in how they can access Roblox. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic. So I think that that could be very beneficial, right, to classroom management uh, needs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, great. Well, yeah, let us know how, how that goes when you test this yeah. out. Eh? Maybe maybe we should both have a go at mm-hmm. this. Great stuff. Um, cool. All uh, right, we've got a couple of other things to get through in this section. Um, you, you were talking about co spaces before
0: yeah it's a design tool that allows students uh, to learn some coding experience and create virtual 3d worlds Uh, they could Mm -hmm. also create infographics tell stories through virtual exhibits and tours Uh, with the edu platform teachers can create a class and post assignments you could integrate images 360 photos and they have a companion application available as well um, they do offer a free uh, account and where you can invite up to 29 students, create up to two co-spaces, have a class, one assignment, and up to 10 external files, and code with basic code blocks. So it offers a lot of functionality uh, right out of the box if it's something that you wanted to give a try. They utilized... Um, the kind of scratch drag and drop uh, coding um mm-hmm. they're right. colored blocks and it's perfect solution for junior coders uh, so visual coding mm-hmm. but then if you wanted to switch to more advanced coding um, you could get into more advanced scripting languages they have their api documentation uh, it comes out of the box with a physics engine so You have 3D objects that can interact with other objects, and they respond with whatever physics parameters you've set with it. You can create games in it, like someone created an egg hunt where you have to run around and search for toys. Uh, Someone made an ice skating game where, with 3D objects, animation and coding, you can skate around in some ice. A lot of uh, stories being told in it, um, like a virtual story example based on the famous Aesop table of the lion and the mouse, literature interpretation through the recreation of scenes from the story of Romeo and Juliet, Um, simulations for catapults, anti-gravity rooms, (laughs) and so much more. Uh, They Mm -hmm. have a very vibrant user base uh, if you were to search Twitter and CoSpaces, you'll see lots of teachers out there who are utilizing um, this platform. Mm-hmm.
1: And Yeah, I took a look. It's, there's a, a lot out there. And, and the thing that really struck me about, about um, their Twitter feed, at least, is um, lots of teachers are taking photos of their, their students using it. Mm-hmm. And it's that classic um, students super engaged yeah. um, uh, in making something, you know? And, and, you know, and it really is a making tool these these young people are able to create something that um they feel really proud of and that's that's really obvious on the platform and, and that you know that's really the hallmark of something for me for the, these sorts of tools and um, where the students are are right in there getting it getting the hands dirty in the nuts and bolts of these things and yeah scratch coding are and um, more experienced coders and um, using the, the more sophisticated tools and it's really awesome to see what these kids are making you know? yeah really cool.
0: yeah it's amazing i um I just think it's really wonderful that they, you know, you want to run it on your app. You can view the mm-hmm. experience, and build and view an experience on your app. If you want to run it on the web, on a laptop or a PC, you could do that on one of those devices as well. And so that interoperability, I think, is huge. And I hope more mm-hmm. businesses and organizations that do this or uh, creating these tools do something similar. And yeah,
1: for sure.
0: Yeah, the, a lot of functionality in it. I mean, students are, are they're creating games with these mm-hmm. tools, uh, experiences, sharing their mm-hmm. ideas and learning, and it's mm-hmm. just really powerful and incredible to, to see. Yeah. They have a gallery uh, that you could view on the web, and would suggest going to CoSpaces.io and checking it out.
1: I like it. Fantastic, um, and the other tool um, we were talking about before was uh, Merge Cube, um, and I've seen um, just a little bit of this. Um, I don't know loads about it. Um, it was reminding me of, of something I came across recently called Hologo World, um, which has a, a bunch of sort of AR experiences that you can look at the heart and the circulatory system, which is something I've, I was working on for a lesson recently. Um, but can, yeah, what is so what is Merge Cube? Cube, what does it do?
0: Um, Merge Cube is. How would I describe it? It's it, well, it's an AR multi-platform tool. Um, it's akin to like holding a hologram in your hand, and you can create all kinds of really cool stuff with it, and attach it to a cube. Um, so hmm. the the cube, as you rotate it around in space, uh, you could view that object in. Um, you know 360 degrees yeah. up yeah. down left or right mm-hmm. a lot of people are utilizing it for simulations science experiments um
1: and ar i suppose like to be clear to people out here we haven't used ar very much is that um, they're holding a cube and, and when you look at the cube through a, a tablet or a phone using the camera then it comes to life right at so, uh, uh, something other than the cube itself is in front of you so you're maybe looking at a a, a cell in in detail mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, if if you're looking at lots of STEM lessons, as I would be tending to do, or or volcanoes or planets, that sort of thing. So sort of coming to life in front of your eyes, which is, you know, a pretty fun experience for young people. And they're able to really investigate things in pretty close detail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you had, uh, you were learning about engineering and bridges and talking about uh, the design of bridges, and then you could show, you know, you could have a merge experience attached to a cube that when student use mm-hmm. it on their device they see a bridge and that uh, outlines on the bridge kind of highlights certain key features of that bridge what help increase the stability of that structure uh, gives them mm-hmm. kind of a visual visual understanding of the information uh, and They have uh, the Merge Cubes that you can purchase. They have licenses to be able to access their um, collection of resources and materials. Uh, But Mm -hmm. also, if you just want to get started with it, um, they also have printouts. uh, So you could print out a cube, tape it together, and use the Merge VR app on your iPad or iPhone or whatever device Mm -hmm. and be able to engage with those experiences, and it's um, it's pretty cool. So students can build those, teachers can build those. I've seen people utilize the Merge VR for non-academic uh, purposes, just for like artwork or uh, what have you. I know mm-hmm. at one of the elementary schools here last year, they someone made a really big Merge VR cube. Like they printed out the paper. And put it on a very large box and hung that from the wow. ceiling, and then had a QR code that students would scan, point at that big huge uh, merge cube, and up would pop a, a dinosaur. So Great. you know, as kind of like a wow factor or something to engage the students. I think it's a, it's a really cool platform.
1: That's very cool. Oh, I like it. Great stuff. Um, okay, I think we're sort of um, coming up to time. So um, I had one more point, and maybe you've got one as well, Anthony. But um, sort of one of my closing thoughts was, was um, on these platforms. Um, so we talk about this Tony Priest's metaverse being the one metaverse and being open. But right now we've got a couple of platforms to choose from um, as educators. Uh, and I've been doing a bunch of work recently in, in some of these platforms. And in particular, Gather Town um, is one that I've been concentrating on, um, as well as Frame VR and Hubs. And I just wanted to highlight, if people haven't used these, um, first off, that they're, um, I really recommend jumping on all three of those and just seeing how they work, because um, you can bring—they're um, all platforms where you can bring your students into those platforms and and do a remote lesson um, using video and audio or just audio, um, in order to bring your your students into some sort of virtual world that either you take off as a t- as a. Template like take off the shelf, or you build yourself. You've got a bit of time to build it, um, and they're all really immersive and really engaging. And only become more so whenever you like bring your own creativity to it as an educator. Um, and one thing that I'm really noticing with these, having you know, Anthony, you and I have been talking about this for at least twelve months um, about how they're, the the trend for change on these is they're just adding more and more features, and they're becoming more and more stable. So just a couple of things to pull out about those. So FrameVR, um, in its most recent update, added the the possibility to do a poll. um, So you can ask um, all the students in your space a question, and they all respond. And then it comes up in a huge pie chart in the middle, you know, floating in the middle of the space, Mm -hmm. of this virtual space. And I just thought that that's, that's awesome. You know, as an educator, that's a really useful tool to be able to use. Um, another tool as part of that update was a broadcast message. So no matter where the students are in the space, you can send a message to everybody um, saying, you know, five minutes left on this challenge or um, come back and meet me in this spot or whatever. Um, for Gather, um, a recent update for them is that the, the mobile support is much better than it used to be. Um, so you can now have chat and see who's in the space on the mobile. You can press X, which is if, if you've used Gather Town before, it means that you can have an embedded website. Um, on a laptop, you press X on the keyboard and it pops up and it could be any website from a, a Google doc to um, a 3D heart um, exploration to um, some sort of mass homework. Um, but you can now do that on mobile as well. Hmm. Um, so that's really good for accessibility for for students at home because um, we know that accessibility to, to IT devices is always a struggle um, across the board no matter where you are. Um, so yeah really I really want to encourage people to to jump onto those platforms, see how they work. Um, and to let us know if you do it. We'd love to know what people are doing out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Share it online, tag uh, K20, mm-hmm. Terence, mm-hmm. and or myself, and we'll make sure it gets out to as many people as possible. Uh, these are yeah. new tools and somewhat new technologies uh, that aren't mm-hmm. used as much in the education space as they could be. And uh, I feel like the floodgates will be opening up here very soon because they are so yeah. powerful. And easy to get started with them.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, that's key, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, educators don't have much time in their hands, no. so they really are. You can really jump into them for you know five minutes and grab a template and, and go. Uh,
0: I want to leave on one last note. I found of interest mm. uh, posted on Indeed. Uh, this was in June of last year, but they had identified the twenty skills in demand in today's workforce. And uh, knowing how the job market is constantly changing and technology-driven careers are becoming more and more popular, they talked about some of the items that are key essential skills that people should know as they get into the workforce. One was uh, user experience design, so designing apps or whatever for user experience. Uh, Doesn't necessarily need to be just technology, could be in physical spaces as well. They identified blockchain technology as a large one, uh, which helps companies coordinate with each other and make transactions smoothly, without interference from banks and other financial institutions. Uh, They talked about industrial design, uh, focus on the functionality and appearance of a product and uh, the development process. Creativity was one of the important skills. Um, And I think creativity is probably, in my classrooms at least, one of the top um, skills that I teach with the content Mm -hmm. that I have. Um, It just allows students to think of different ways to perform tasks or meet challenges and solve problems. Uh, And and the last skill that I thought was really, really super-duper important was collaboration, just the ability to work with other people. Um, two or more heads are always better than one when you have lots of creative minds coming together to create a solution to a problem. And the sky's a limit.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, amazing. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps us up. Um, thanks, Anthony. Lovely as ever to talk thanks to you. Well. And we'll be back for another episode soon. Uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, take care.